On this episode of Sports Beat KC, we talk to University of Kansas beat writer Jesse Newell about the Adidas deal, the return of Yudoka Azubuki, and Sylvia DeSouza's appeal prospects. Also, Sam Melliger joins us to talk Kansas and Tyreek Hill. This is Sports Beat KC, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas, along with Gary Bedore for the Kansas City Star, joins us. Jesse, how are you? Doing great, Blair. How about yourself? Doing okay. You know, Jesse, I remember when I was covering college sports and, and, and KU, and then this was a long time ago, I would always get asked after the Final Four or whenever the college basketball season ended that, uh, boy, it must be boring for you now to you know, to not have anything to write about now that college basketball is over. What, do you have to wait till till football practice begins? How, do you get three or four months of vacation at this point? And Knowing from experience that is never, ever the case, and it's never been more true than these last eight or nine days uh, with Kansas. So yesterday, on, on, uh, on Wednesday, we find out that Kansas is going to – first of all, Kansas has an announcement to make. And I believe they released this to their, uh, on their website that Kansas and Adidas had reached a deal. Fill in the details here, Jesse. What was the length? Four, in the- 14 years, $14 million annually is what the deal was. Not a bad chunk of change if you're, um, if, if you're a college program. In fact, so much so, so good that it ranks up there with maybe one of the best, if not the best deal uh, from an apparel and shoe company of all time. Yeah, and we t- pulled some numbers from a New York Times story recently where they had some schools like UCLA in the $17 million range, and then other schools like Ohio State, Texas were somewhere around 16 So if you trust those numbers, then KU's is probably easily easily top 10. Uh, there was a Forbes one that came out last year that had a little bit lower on the numbers. They had UCLA around $13 million. So if you believe Forbes, then this is the most lucrative one out there. And if you believe the New York Times, then uh, KU still is really batting among the uh, top dogs out there when it comes to an apparel company uh, a, a contract. So yeah, this is obviously huge news for Kansas and a big chunk of change that they signed up for with Adidas. And and look, it's it's good news for a school to to, to have outside streams of income. We know uh, it costs money to run an athletic department. Schools are always looking for ways to increase and improve their revenue streams. That's why you know, it's why conferences exist these days is for the, the, the multi-billion dollar television contracts, including the one uh, the, the Big 12 has one that, that pays its members uh, nicely. And so that's, you know, that's this is business as usual in college athletics. What makes this one a little bit different, however, uh, is the relationship between Kansas and Adidas. And that was a big part of what uh, Chancellor Douglas Gerard and Athletic Director Jeff Long had to address when making this announcement yesterday. So walk us through why this arrangement merits more than just a, you know, a couple of paragraphs in a newspaper. Yeah, and that's honestly a question I asked Jeff Long at the very end of our teleconference was, you just get down to it. There's a lot of people out there that would have said, hey, KU needs to cut dice with Adidas after these federal indictments, this FBI probe into college basketball. You know, we still look at some of the ramifications of that. Sylvia Sosa still has a two-year suspension because of it. There are allegations, uh, obviously, that T.J. Gasnola testified in federal court that he paid the families of both Billy Preston and uh, and and Sylvia Sosa. And so, uh, Sylvia Sosa remains out because of that. KU has kind of had a black cloud hang over it for 
for much of the last year because of this. And so the question is out there, you know, why don't you just cut ties with Adidas? And, you know, Jeff Long's answer was sort of what you would expect, just saying, hey, that he and Douglas Gerard had done their due diligence. They'd looked at other options. They'd considered other opportunities out there and that Adidas made the most sense for them. So I think, Blair, you can look at this from kind of two different ways. You know, you can have that sort of mindset to say, what is Kansas doing still participating here with that with Adidas and I think a lot of that would go back to if you remember the language that Kansas has used throughout this to kind of get itself some cover which is they use that one word we put in quotes victim and they were a victim of Adidas in this whole scandal and they've used that kind of down the line in some PR releases and from you know KU's uh, PR department to kind of use that as a cover to say hey this was not Kansas at fault this was Adidas at fault. So when you use the word victim and say you're victimized by a company, and then a couple months later, you re-up with them for a 14-year contract, uh, a lot of people are going to be standing there saying, oh, really? Is that how you feel about this? But I think you kind of hit on the bottom line of this whole ordeal, and a colleague Sam Mellinger has as well when you look at some of the tweets he's had over the last couple of days, which is, this is big-time college athletics. And Jeff Long has to try to turn around this football program. He has to try to to get money inflow, and they've hired a lot of staff members. They've hired a lot of analysts and um, you know guys in, in, in the program to try to get this thing going again. All that takes money. And unless you have a booster that's willing to continue to pay you over and over again, which David Booth has, his name is on the stadium, you can only name so many things after him before uh, you, know, you, you kind of run out of things, KU needs that cash. And so if you're looking at this honestly and with open eyes, and some stuff has even come out in this new federal trial, it sounds like in New York, even as soon as today, um, what has happened here is it seems like that Adidas – did some things wrong, obviously, but this is more of a culture of doing things wrong, and some other companies are guilty as well. And so if you're Kansas, who are you going to sign with that is going to guarantee you that they don't cheat? Um, I'm going to guarantee you out there that a lot of those companies that you could potentially go with, it's more just window dressing than anything. So for Kansas, the end of the day, the company that was going to offer them the most, to give them the most, to provide them the most, was always going to be Adidas. And these other companies were most likely going to look at this situation and say – uh, we kind of have the leverage over Kansas here, so we don't really have to make a good offer. Kansas and Adidas getting back was kind of uh, not a foregone conclusion, but something that was always most likely because Adidas was gonna, going to come with the best offer. So d does that make this – it makes it a business arrangement for sure, but before the, the, the FBI investigation, I guess when we're you know, two years ago, say, before we heard anything about this, um, there was no reason, you know, there was no reason to believe that there was any, you know, anything amiss, you know, with Adidas and, and the, you know, and, and its relationship with, with Kansas. So I guess my question is, we know it's a business arrangement and, 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 and it's, it's the best, as you said, the best offer, Adidas, Under Armour, none of the other providers or the apparel companies, shoe companies, we're going to, we're going to come up with the type of money that Adidas, uh, has come up with. So my question is to you, Jesse, is... Why? Why is Adidas doing this? Why? Why is Adidas paying Kansas this much money, making Kansas its, you know, basically its its premier uh, client? Uh, Adidas has other schools. What is the value of Kansas to Adidas? It's a really good question, and it's probably one that's more unanswered than. Um, many of the other ones because we don't talk to the Adidas representatives when they release this thing. I know there was a quote in the release that kind of discussed that, but my guess would be. And I, I know Jeff Long made reference to this, is that these two parties have been longtime sponsors now. I mean, this is a 
an arrangement that first started in 2005. It got re-upped again in 2013. As you mentioned, Shane Zenger, the previous athletic director for Kansas, mentioned this in 2017 that this was going to get done, and then it kind of sat for a while as all this other stuff played out. But it seems to me that these two are very comfortable with each other, and you sort of lose a little bit of um, that arrangement if you have to start over or if you have to go out and find a new school to sort of be your flagship. And I'm not saying Kansas is necessarily the flagship for Adidas, but if you're looking at the college basketball landscape, it's pretty close. I mean, yep. we, we have the other schools we talk about out there, you know, Indiana, that's good, but they've kind of been down lately or NC State or, or you know, some. Some of these other ones have kind of been tied into the, the federal case, but uh, I think Kansas kind of carries more weight when it comes to those sorts of things. And so if you're Kansas and Adidas and you've worked well together in the past, or at least have worked well together, you know, before 2017, if we want to go back to that and you're comfortable with each other and you have uh, an employee that works for you in marketing that's already there and stationed there and you understand how the, each side works. To me, maybe this part of this was just kind of a comfortability factor. And also, um, if Adidas is looking to remain sort of a have a stronghold in the college basketball market, Kansas has kind of been the school for them. And to continue that, they had to to continue this agreement and come to terms with Kansas and make sure that Kansas was at least feeling good about its part of the arrangement after all these things happened in the last year and a half. And I think Louisville also, um, Adidas school as well. So yes, uh, okay. So this is this relates to. Um, Silvio D'Souza's situation, and let's let's uh, let's come up to speed on that. Another development that has occurred in the last few days: the, the Kansas appealed the. Um, let, let's go back. Uh, Silvio D'Souza was suspended, uh, ruled ineligible by the NCAA for, uh, for for this basketball season after uh, after playing as a freshman uh, in the Final Four, 2017-18 season. Uh, ruled ineligible this year, and in I think I think the most the harshest punishment when it comes to eligibility that I've ever seen uh, has been ruled out for next year as well. Kansas has appealed, and they're uh, and and that's where they stand now. There is, you know, Silvio as as I think um, you, you wrote, or maybe it was Gary, is one of four Kansas players who's put his name in for the for the NBA draft. Has until sometime in late May to determine whether he wants to you know stay in the draft and 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 um and, and so the Kansas is hopeful and Silvio de Souza hopeful that the appeal process uh reaches some kind of conclusion before the end of May but what do you, what's your sense on what might happen there Jesse and uh and just kind of walk us through the the de Souza situation yeah, I probably need to knock on wood here because I know we're going to try to rush this podcast up, but um, this is something where KU, when they finally put their appeal in, this is something that's supposed to happen pretty quickly. Uh, if you go through the NCAA rulebook and see kind of how the standards they have for student-athlete reinstatement and appeals because they don't want this to be a long process because a student-athlete's eligibility is on the line. And I know Sylvia Sosa now is out of season, but technically this could be an athlete that is in season. So they want to have these committees get together and rule on these cases relatively quickly and not have it you know, be a process that takes months or years because um, that's the time that's ticking on, on someone when they're eligible to play in college. So uh, the appeal officially, KU said, I think it was last Thursday or Friday that, that they had appealed this uh, to the NCAA. So I would fully anticipate that this thing is going to get ruled upon very, very soon. I mean, if you look in the actual uh, NCAA rule book, you could look at one or two different interpretations. I've tried to get clarification on it, but haven't really been able to find it. But one said seven business days that it would be ruled upon, and one said uh, usually within three weeks. So again, this is something we should know 
rather quickly with Sylvie de Sosa, and he's already come out and made it very clear that if his suspension is limited to only one year, which is the one year that he served last year, and he would be eligible for next season, that he's coming back to Kansas. And it would make sense. You know, nobody's seen him play. Nobody knows if he's an NBA prospect or not. So that makes a lot of sense. If not, he has put his name in the professional route. Uh, so if he's if his suspension from the NCAA is upheld, then he will move on and go play professional, which also seems like a natural option. You don't want to sit two years to play one in college. So um, that's kind of where it stands with that. To be very clear here, though, the NCAA initially ruled that he had a two-year suspension. I get a lot of questions about this, and people say, okay, well, now the NCAA is going to come down and say the same thing. Well, it doesn't exactly work like that. The Student-Athlete Reinstatement Committee, or the Appeal Committee here, is a five-person board made up of kind of people who volunteer. So one's a student-athlete. There's also uh, some administrators out there. Think of like a, an assistant athletic director for a random school out there. They meet together via teleconference. So this is not exactly – this is not NCAA employees saying we ruled this and we're going to rule this again. This is the NCAA as part of the rule book taking the step of kind of getting an outside entity in to rule on an appeal after they made an, an initial ruling. So for Silvio, he'll get to have his case heard from those five people. They will determine whether he sits another year or not, and if that's determined again, he's going to go professional route. And uh, KU's roster right now as it stands, you know, with them having either five or six scholarships open, uh, this is sort of a big deal because they got Yudoka Azabuki back, but they certainly could use more depth in their front court and more players that have played for Bill Self to help them out for the 2019-2020 roster. So that kind of takes us into the the, the next uh, topic here, and that is Yudoka Azabuki with what I consider to be a surprise decision to return uh, for, for, for Kansas next year. What do you think about that, Jesse? I listen. I, I think he's uh, uh, a chance anyway to be a preseason All America. Maybe you know in contention for National Player of the Year. Uh, maybe I'm a little too optimistic about his prospects, but I I didn't see this coming. And why did he decide to come back? <laughs> it's, it's a really good question. Um, I, I did a Q and A a couple weeks ago, and I I took a question on this. You know, is Yudoka going to declare? And I said, is or is it a matter of him? going to declare or does he have an option i said let's be realistic here he's going to go pro bill self talked about this in march he said they w- weren't likely to get yudoka as a back this season um because you know he had professional basketball in his mind and then the course of that next week things sort of changed and the stuff i heard sort of changed like oh there's a real chance he's coming back and now that decision was made or it was made by default because he never really put anything on his instagram or his twitter and ku released this through a you know a press release with Bill Self quotes, but never had Yudoka Azabuki quotes. So um, I don't know if he just ran out of time or or didn't make a decision because of that made a decision. But this is very surprising to me. Now let's start off by talking what it means for Kansas. I uh, have a blog up earlier this week where I talked with Bart Torvik, who runs a projection site on college basketball, and kind of exactly what you hinted at, Blair. His projections have KU at this seventh for 2019-2020. I asked him to take Yudoka Azabuki out of KU's lineup and KU moved to 56th. So potentially, if he remains healthy, KU could not have gotten better news than getting Azubuki back because he is so efficient on the offense. He had 122 dunks in that sophomore season when he remained healthy. And then defensively, he's a force inside. You know, one of the biggest things you can control as a defense in college basketball is shots close to the rim and whether teams want to take them. And teams don't want to take them when Yudoka Azabuki is near the rim because of the guy he is and his wingspan and his shot blocking ability and also his presence inside. As far as him coming back to Kansas, I think it is a surprise because, like I said, 
in March, Bill Self talked about how he didn't expect him to come back. Really, the word was even a couple weeks ago that he was very intent on remaining professional or going that path. I think there was some stuff basically said or maybe the thought was that he couldn't work out for NBA teams. He isn't healthy enough to do that. And maybe the difference in a year ago and now wouldn't be that much different because he can't prove to NBA teams he's a better player. But, you know, having said all of that, if you ever watched him, it's it's so interesting to me. If you watched the television broadcast last year with KU and you saw the TV pan to Sylvie DeSos on the bench, like you always saw him smiling and he was up and he was clapping and patting teammates on the back. Whenever you saw Yudoka Azabuki, it was almost always like chin in his hand, like <laughs> looking glum. You know, I mean, I, and again, I don't mean to take too much or, or Dr. Phil this if you want to, but he didn't seem like a guy that really just loved being there, kind of like Silvio does. And so I think that to me makes this the most surprising or the most surprising aspect of this is because I'm not convinced. And again, we haven't heard from Silvio yet. When we hear from him and get, get to ask him questions or hear a statement from him or something, then maybe we can know more what his mindset was. But until we hear from him, it's sort of interesting to have him make this decision because we can't understand why he did it. And I don't know what's changed in the last month to make him decide that he wants to come back to Kansas to that same sort of experience. Again, playing makes a difference, but uh, the same sort of experience where it seemed like every time that he was shown on the bench, he seemed to not be having a great time. So all those answers will come about in time, but that to me is maybe the most surprising part of this whole deal. Yeah, the answers will come about in time, and the fact that there weren't many uh, when the when Kansas made the announcement strikes me as just a little bit odd. You didn't hear from... I know we, I know reporters, including you and, and Gary, try to get in touch with Azubuki. Nobody has talked to him, or he hasn't hasn't mentioned anything either, you know, through Kansas or through social media. So I, I did find that to be a little odd. I don't, and I, I don't know how to interpret that. So, but but he's back, and let, let's project um, let, let's project a little bit of the roster. Let, I mean, we know we we know you know Agbaji is back, and, and and Marcus Garrett, and David McCormick, Mitch Lightfoot, um, and now Azubuki. Uh, in terms of vet, known veterans returning, I think that's the that's the list that you start from. Uh, Devon Dotson, what's uh, what's your sense on, on on which way he'll go? It's a really good question. Um, you know, I've talked to some NBA people about Devon, and I've kind of gotten different answers. To be completely honest with you, I, I talked with one person who sort of said, "Yeah, you know, it, it makes sense for him to test," but I think the information I'll get is he's not yet ready and if he had another year uh, that would be helpful for him uh, the main thing is just you saw this last year his didn't have very good assist numbers I've written about this quite a bit but um, in ball screen situations like Frank Mason and Devontae Graham they were really good at either creating for them or having the vision to also create for others and right now Devon Dodd more kind of a one-dimensional player in that regard where he doesn't maybe see the passing angles or the opportunities that will be needed of him, needed of him at the next level However, I talked to another NBA guy who basically said this is a smart decision for him to get information. It's a weak point guard draft, and with his speed and quickness, there's a possibility that team, you know, would take him and could take him, you know, mid-second round. And if that's what he wants to do and believes that he can get developed at that next level, and if that's his aspirations, then that option remains there. So I think it's going to come down to, for Devon Dotson, what he would see as a success. I've seen some mock drafts for 2020 where he is at the end of the first round. Is that what you want to be? Or would you rather just go pro and stay in pro and uh, get a second round pick, most likely, and you know develop up there? Uh, that's, that's a question I can't answer. That's a question that 
Devon Dotson and his family will most likely have to answer. But I will tell you that uh, it still seems like Bill Self and his staff seem very optimistic he's going to return to Kansas. I guess we'll see if it plays out live. I, I think it certainly changes the outlook for, for Kansas uh, from where we were at the end of the you know the, the basketball season, the Final Four. Uh, no, you know, assuming that we did, we assumed then that Azubuki would not return, and and Dotson soon announced that that he was going to explore. Um, if both Azubuki and Dotson are are back for Kansas, I, I think it, you know, I think it changes. Kansas becomes a top ten preseason top ten team, I believe. Uh, I think well, I, I certainly think that's where we'll see Kansas start the next year, um, if Dotson's back. Yeah, I would think so. And again, so much in recruiting unsettled right now. The KU, the, I think the two big names you got to keep in mind, Rajon Tucker, he's a graduate transfer from Arkansas Little Rock, considered you know, the first or second best graduate transfer out there, kind of a, a guard who can shoot the ball a shot over 40% from three would be a big help for Kansas. And then you also look at RJ Hampton, who's one of the top recruits in the class of 2020. There's a possibility for him to reclassify to 2019, and uh, if KU could get him, land him, get him in those summer school classes, then he would be an immediate contributor. And uh, you sort of add those pieces to Udoka and Dotson. I think you feel really good if you're a Kansas fan, but um, just as you said, Blair, if you don't get Dotson back, then those guys will be a must, and KU will once again have some uncertainty going into next season, much like uh, I think you saw late in last season after Udoka went down with his injury. Very good. Okay, Jesse, let's let's end it on a, a, a football thought. I I, I did a, a preseason magazine story on the Big Twelve where the copy was due in toward the end of March, um, and I had Carter Stanley as the Jayhawks quarterback. And spring practice has come and, and and gone, and I'm not sure I'm correct anymore with Carter Stanley as the Jayhawks quarterback. Uh, not, um, you know, uh, not an insignificant development for, for KU during spring football with Les Miles' first team. Yeah, uh, Les Miles at the, the year end or the spring end press conference said that as of now, Thomas Goody has the edge on Carter Stanley. Those two have run one, two in practice, have been alternating, you know, one. So, Remains an open competition, but I think the bottom line with that is not only Thomas McVitie uh, comes to Kansas after Les Miles recruited him just for uh, a very little while at LSU before he went to Pittsburgh and things didn't work out there. But the other thing is Kansas had limited scholarship space coming into this season, and Les Miles and his staff really had to kind of scramble in recruiting. But if you're going to use one of those valuable pieces to take a JUCO quarterback who only has two years of eligibility remaining, so he's going to get... Uh, the benefit of the doubt here, I think, if it's a close call, just because uh, KU has a lot, lot invested in him because they took a scholarship and he only has two years of eligibility left. But as of now, you know, 6'5", has some good mobility, uh, dual-threat quarterback Thomas McVitie. Uh, Carter Stanley will probably continue to push him, and as we know, a lot of times you need two quarterbacks, but uh, I would envision Thomas McVitie as a starter in Game 1 unless there's some sort of injury, but we'll see what happens coming up here in the fall. Good stuff, Jesse Newell. Thanks so much for joining us on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks, Blair. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass.
Sam Mellinger, columnist to the Kansas City Star, joins me on Sportsbeat KC. Sam, how you doing? I'm great. I like the uh, the little laugh there, by the way, when you're like Sam Mellinger, then you kind of laugh. You're like, this is ridiculous. But he's a sports columnist at the Kansas City Star. You're the like only that. person that I introduce where I where I have the little laugh. You know, where yeah, I can exactly. a little bit. <laughs> and it's exactly. not, Everybody no. else is like, well, this guy earned his job. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, but I but I am glad. I'm glad to be talking to you, Sam. It's so uh, glad to be talking to you, buddy. All right. Uh, there's so much went on in Kansas City sports this week, but we're going to focus on, for the purpose of our conversation, the the victimhood of the University <laughs> of Kansas. Yeah. Now we're going to really laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, it was. Uh, I, I guess I, I wasn't surprised that a deal between Kansas and Adidas uh, got uh, hammered out. I, I was a little bit surprised by the timing of it. And taken aback by the value of it, it's uh, among Jesse Newell tells us it's among the richest contracts, if not the richest, uh, in college sports when it comes to a shoe and apparel company with with a university. But how do we? Uh, what what are we to make of 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 the deal? And doesn't uh, you know, does it does it speak to you know all everything else aside? You still have to make business arrangements in college sports. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a business uh, above all else. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess I'm with you. I uh, expected this to happen. Um, and and like you, the, the timing is is odd. The timing is curious. But if you think about it, this deal was like what would they say, like agreed upon, but not finalized a year ago. Right. When when uh, the Adidas stuff started to, to bubble up a little bit and that right. wasn't good timing to finalize it. <laughs> nope, right? nope. And so at no point in the last year was there was there really a moment where, um, oh, well, nobody's going to be, you know, connecting these dots if we finalize a deal with Adidas. So, on you know, on that way, it's, it's bad timing that the contract was up, you know, um, in, in this year uh, and that they needed to do it. I look um, the the money. Uh, I'm not as surprised about the money for two primary reasons. One, um, Adidas had to do this, had to do it. Um, Kansas is is their flagship school, and you know the 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 PR hit was going to be theirs if Kansas went somewhere else. You know, because you know Kansas could always said, well, you know, look what happened. So we had to go somewhere else. Adidas, I think, just so I think Kansas had leverage. Um, there and the other reason I, I just think these deals always get bigger. You know, um, it, it's a 14-year deal. Is that right? Yeah, 14 four, years 14 for 14 years million. For, yeah, each, yeah, a year, right? So, you know, I don't know when North Carolina's deal is up or Duke's deal or Michigan or whatever, but I assume like when that happens, that they'll, you know, that'll be the biggest deal. Um, you know, in the country, these things just, you know, always seem to to get bigger and bigger. So I'm not as surprised at the money. Um, but, uh, but they, they just, they had to do it. It's an ugly business. It's awkward. Um, but this is, this is where it was always going to go. I wondered if Kansas needed to announce this. Um, you know, they, they, they put a, a statement out for their, for the fans through their website, through kuathletics.com and, and then made sure that the media knew that that had, that had occurred. And then, uh, Chancellor Douglas Gerard and, and, uh, Jeff Long, the athletic director had a, you know, had a, had a teleconference with the with with other media. I, I wondered if Kansas couldn't have just continued to wear Adidas gear, um, and then maybe leak it out at some point uh, that oh, by the way, we continued our relationship with with Adidas. Maybe maybe we all would have found out during uh, 
you know, the, the we, we always annually find out uh, where, you know, the athletic department revenue, where it all comes from. And I guess we would have found yeah. out at that point. Uh, but just the Kansas felt the need to, to put it out there and is willing to take whatever, you know, hits that um, that they uh, that they have gotten. And, and one of them was by our friend Pat Forty. I don't know if you got to read his column in Yahoo.com. But if if, if you haven't, Pat is, uh, yeah, t- taking a swing at this. I think I think I can gather the framework of the column. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading it. But I mean, like, so here's the deal, though. Like, um, can they drop Adidas and go sign with Under Armour? Is that better? You know, like no. Nike. Like, it, I mean, it, I think that it, Nike is smarter about the way that they do these things. They they sign consultant contracts and all that, like phony consultant contracts. But like, I just there was no option where it was like, well, we're gonna go with the the apparel company that is going to pay us top dollar and never break a rule like that, that you know, that did not exist. Yeah. That, that doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, <laughs> that, that oh, doesn't, dog. <laughs> it doesn't exist. That. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, it, but it doesn't exist in, in college sports today, not at the highest level, right? Not with, right. uh, you know, as the, as the trials continue in, in, in the Southern district of New York, uh, these, these days. So, yeah. And which reminds me, there was, was a time when Sean Miller was sort of the answer to the what happens if Bill Self takes an NBA job tomorrow <laughs> question. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, life moves fast. Yes. yes, it does. Yes, it does. Hey, how about while we're still in Kansas, uh, were you as surprised as I was uh, about the return of Yudoka Azubuki? Yes. Yes. Um, until it sounds like the injury is still bad enough that he wasn't going to be able to do the circuit right. and get the feedback. And so I hadn't thought about that before and, and kind of assumed even if that was the case that he may just decide I got to go, you know, but maybe the, the feedback that he got even before even testing the waters was look, man, if you can't do the circuit, um, how do we know that you can play? You've had, you know, um, these injury prone, you know, you haven't played a full season, and and even if he was fully healthy last year, there still would have been questions about how he fits into the way that the NBA is played right now. You know, I mean, he's kind of a dinosaur. It's like, um, you know, Andre Hammond is, is he still with Detroit? Yeah, he's, and let's, and let's just say he's and not. That's a, about it. Azubuki <laughs> is not a future Golden State Warrior. Uh, I think we, <laughs> that's right. We can say, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, and and there's some guys that you can look at and project. Okay, like I've always thought that shooting is the thing that guys improve the most when they get into the NBA. There's so many guys that get into the NBA, I can't shoot. And then a year, two years into his career, he's at least an average shooter and, and sometimes a really good shooter. Um, Azubuke, like, I don't think is ever going to be a good shooter. You know, he's, he's never going to be a, a pick and pop guy. Um, you know, you, you're never going to set him up for a 19 foot jumper. So he, he's got, he's got to work around that. And so, you know, sort of re- reverse engineering, you know, the move, um, uh, reverse engineering the move. Um, he, like, it, it makes sense that way. You know right. what I mean? Like that, um, it, th- this is the only way for him to get feedback. Right. And he, he's not going to any, but, but in college next year, he's the player that nobody else is going to have. Um, the, yes, the, the space it's eating seven footer. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, no, nobody can defend that. Yeah, I mean it's it's 
He's going to be a monster next can, year, can, assuming health. Yeah, can play the true high low that Bill that Bill yep. Self enjoys doing. Okay, hey Sam, before we let you go, there was uh, continued development in the in the Tyreek Hill uh, story yeah. on uh, on Thursday morning with the with the release of his statement where he you know says all the right things and says that uh, that he cooperated with with officials. I get this statement came from his from his attorneys, the office of his attorneys. So. Uh, what's, how about a, how about a thought on, on this development today? And I, I'm not sure it's, you know, it's, it's anything more than getting, you know, getting a word out on his behalf, uh, uh-huh. in terms of how this might end up being settled, but, uh, in, you know, with, with, a you know, with an NFL suspension or whatnot, but what'd you make of the statement? Yeah. I wondered if he was going to do that. I thought maybe he was just going to lay low. Um, and, and not say anything, but I, I thought the statement, the, the most significant part of that was, you know, waived his fifth amendment rights and, and, and cooperated fully. Um, I'm curious what the DA thinks about that. You know, I think we got some hints on what he thinks about that in the, in the press conference the day before, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't have whatever reaction I have from that statement is is so small compared to you know just the general sadness frustration anger you know a lot of other emotions from um a child was abused the the da is is telling the world that a child was abused and whoever did that um and this you know we're not pointing at any particular person but whoever did that is not going to be punished and I, i just that that's the thing that i keep going back to, you know, it's, it's just right. completely, there, there's no closure. I, you know, naively, um, obviously in retrospect, I was just hoping, um, you know, that this would end with nothing happened. It was an accident, a misunderstanding or no, there's charges and, and we're going to go forward with this. And it's just to, to not get either of those is just wholly unsatisfying. No doubt about it. Hey, Sam, thanks for joining us today. And we'll talk of to you course. again soon. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Links to the stories we talked about today can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Thank you very much for listening to Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast of the Kansas City Star. 